Welcome back, Beyonders, to Winning War Cry, a tabletop and beyond podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. Dan Herrera is in the house with us, per the usual, but we've got special guests with us. Javi Martinez, also known as Diomedon, on the War Cry servers. You've probably seen him. He is a lover of pleasure and pain, and <laughs> we are happy to have him on the show. Thank you, Javi, for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for inviting me. It's cool. Yeah, we. Uh, I think this is the first time you've been on our show for this one. So uh, first time I've been on any show. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, you know, just remember who brought you here first, buddy. Right. You it's know, either very you. surprising or completely not. So. <laughs> well, when you make it big one day, you know, just remember us, little guys. I'll, I'll know what I started yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we have a super duper busy show for you guys today. Um, there's like a ton of Warcry news that dropped, which, Dan, I'm going to be honest with you. This should have come out this weekend, given our normal schedule where we record <laughs> and all the news comes out afterwards. So this is the first time the it's ever happened where it came know, out right? right before the pod instead of right after. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they've been listening. So thank you, James Workshop, for listening to our show. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got tons of news today. We've got uh, Vulcan Flame Seekers that we're going to be talking about. And a topic that is to Dan's heart and my heart, uh, tournament scoring objectives and what looks good and, you know, maybe what we should avoid. So let's get into it. Of course, we're going to start out with our hobby table. So, uh, Dan, why don't you kick us off with your hobby table? What you got going on? I'm finally returning to doing a lot of painting just in the last couple of weeks. I painted a Witherlord. Um, I'm working on a Nurgle Varengard. I just painted a little Iron Jaws Brugit, uh, mm. who is painted to match. So he's Brugitty in that he's got this little cup of, uh, yeah. let me point it at the camera. There's purple drink in that cup. He matches my iron, my uh, mega boss, real nice. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was really excited to find an Iron Jaws Brugit on Etsy. I couldn't believe it when I found it. Um, and then I'm assembling today's topic. Uh, <laughs> just assembled a little Rune Father. He's got a bell in front of his face, so you, he can't see anything. I didn't notice that when I, they first previewed the models. I don't know if I'll cut that off or not, um, but he's pretty sweet. And then this unplayable dog is very, very cute. Uh, I just finished building it. <laughs> well, I can't wait to try the tabletop simulator all dog list. You know, and just, you know, there's your meme list for you. There are some pets that you can do the all pet list, but uh, I don't think the dog is one of them. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you got your hands full for sure. You know, mm -hmm. uh, very good though. Javi, what's on your hobby table? Uh, well, I just finished up uh, some Slanesh Sibirite for an upcoming tournament on Saturday. Um, I'll be taking a, uh, a Lord of Pain, a True Blood. What else is in there? Uh, Slake Slash, a Fiend Blood. And then three homunculi. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a speedy list with some with some punch in there and in that. Um, so I I was working on those for the past couple of weeks. I also did assemble my own uh, my own set of dwarves. Um, I like the flame seekers a lot. Uh, you really, I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, but you really only need one box of them. Uh, there's really no reason to get a second one. 
Um, here, you know, I know that we said that you should talk about the tournament later. I mean, you you just mentioned your uh, list now. Why don't you just here? I'm going to pull it up for you. So why don't you talk about what you? Uh... Yeah. So uh, in that yeah, picture, Vasilak is standing in for a True Blood. Okay. But yeah. So I mean, I was. Uh, it's kind of similar to a list I ran at the tabletop beyond beyond tournament. Uh, was it in February or March of this year? But I had a Myrmidon instead. So um, I'm looking to get some speed and projection and then the uh, with the Fiend Bloods and Slake Slash and then some control with that net. And then the Lord of Pain is just kind of going to sit in the middle and be a bully. I like it. So there's only seven models here. Yeah. Um, which I, in my opinion, is kind of like a minimum tournament number, just given like you know some of the hordes list. How do you like with your little homunculi, right? That you got there. Uh, never. You should know never to underestimate a homunculi. A homunculus. We 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 did uh, we we did do okay on that. You, you've done extensive testing, and they are okay. Um, <laughs> they are okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so the. The mission pack, it's for the tournament that's being run by Kyle, um, who's the Great White Nope on Discord, and Rob, who's Girth Demon. Um, it's over at Red Seal Gaming somewhere in New Jersey that I'll have to figure out before now on Friday. And um, the mission pack is, uh, I, I think it really, I think it's one of those really good mission packs where hordes and elite lists and everything in between have some play. Um, so the first, the first mission is Power Struggle, but the secondary is most wounds in the in the middle so you know a big bulky warband can kind of hold that middle in two objectives and still get a lot of points and and you know the horde list is gonna have to figure out how to push them off um second is loot and pillage with if you drop a treasure your opponent gets three points so again i think you really want some bulky fighters there otherwise you're not gonna be holding any treasure although um you know whatever your strategy is there it might change depending on what your um makeup is after that it's reaper with uh the four corner secondary and then um which you know reaper kind of favors the the big heavy hitters and then the final is ley lines with um blood marked secondary mm -hmm. so the one where you get points if the target you mark is on an objective holding treasure or is killed so i just think smaller more elite war bands have a lot of play so i'm giving it a try yeah, I mean, you know, one of one of kind of the list building one one thing is that you try to have three, you know, threats, one in each deployment, and I think you've got four significant threats here. So, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and there's seventy five points for blessings, so this is another test for blessings too, because I, uh, I mean, if you put if you put um an extra attack on the fiend blood, you're you're within, you know, you're getting the average damage of a slakehorn for the uh, 20 to 30 fewer points yeah and you're losing five wounds like that's that's a pretty decent trade-off that lets you get some other stuff going yeah for sure well good luck at the tournament uh good luck to rob and kyle who are running it i know this is their first time that uh, they're running it and um i have a lot of confidence that they're going to do a great job with it uh you know they've They've um, asked a lot of people who have run tournaments like opinions and like what they should be doing and, and all that stuff. And so it seems like they're really putting their heart and soul into it. And I'm excited for them to um, see what they think about GMing uh, or I, I guess like, a, you know, being the uh, TO for 
a, a pretty good tournament. So, um, and here's to more to come, right? Um, we were talking yeah. earlier, Javi, about like how big Warcry might be if it didn't come out right during the pandemic. And, you know, it doesn't matter at this point. I mean, that's like what ifs and, you know, maybe coulda, woulda, shouldas. And, but like if we are doing more and more tournaments or events and things like that now, like it just will continue to grow from here. So that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. It's a good group of guys. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, my hobby table is actually just around the corner in my laundry room. I've got two 3d printers that have been going like nonstop for like the last week. Um, and, uh, I, I think, I don't know if you guys know this, but I had a new year's resolution on one of our podcasts, uh, last January to like wage war on the eternal gray. Um, you know, the eternal, the eternal war on gray. And I can but show you printing guys more gray your... for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> he uses blue yeah. resin, actually. Yeah, but there we go. <laughs> that, that's his exactly. trick. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you guys that the crusade this year on the gray has been going strong. Um, and uh, like I've been doing really good. I've been knocking out like um, boxes that like have been lingering, you know, like for example, like you'll have like, you'll do like the two war bands for a box, but not the, not the terrain. You know, or like a, a, a warband in the train, but not the other warband. And so I've just been like knocking out these like kind of laggard things that I've been trying to do. One of my big ones right now is the Cursed City box. Like I only have like three more minis of that box to paint, but I've, I haven't based any of them. So like none of my skeletons, none of my zombies that I've been using for like, you know, um, the, uh, uh, the soul like Gravelord list are like based at all. Like none of them are based. And so I've been printing out some great city cobblestone bases. I got off of a miniature market or not miniature market. Um, my mini, my miniature factory. Yeah. And just been printing them like crazy. And then I printed a, like a, a nice like box organizer for the actual curse city box. So all my tokens are in this like nice little compartmented thing with that holds all the cards like all the tiles are in this nice compartmented thing. And so then I printed out some like um, uh, miniature trays that I can slide the guys in. And now they're all like just arranged in the box in a really nice spot. So um, I don't play Curse City all that often. It's actually a great game for people that haven't played it. It's I, I really liked it. I wish they would have supported a lot more like they did with the Blackstone Fortress, right? But mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a it fun game. It does seem to be... A difficult yeah. box to finish. I have a friend that I think has been working on that box for over two years. Yeah. There's a lot of miniatures in there, right? And so you yeah. have to be ready to batch paint a lot. So, um, but, you know, I'm going to knock this thing out and, and that'll be just like, it'll feel, give me a nice sense of accomplishment that this thing that's been staring at me from the shelf being like, oh, you idiot, you haven't finished me yet. Like, you know, go buy more minis or something, you know, you know, you know, you know how our pile of shame does it to us. Does this? Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, but that's been like my geek week, like I've, or a geek week, my hobby table, right? Like I've been um, just knocking that kind of stuff out and feeling pretty good. My, the best part though, is that my wife was like taking a dig at me the other day. She's like, you get all these like 3d printer stuff and you like, you know, you use it once and you never use it. And my 10 year old daughter goes, what are you talking about, mom? That thing's been going for like four days straight. You know? <laughs> like, 
She's like, it's actually really annoying. Every time I have to do the laundry, it's like beep, 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 beep. Like, <laughs> and so I'm just like, you know, vindication. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty funny. Pretty funny. So, but it's been been pretty good. Pretty good hobby table. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to some news here. Um, it's no, no. It's not some news. It's literally all of the news. All of the news. It's as all much news in the last two days as we've had. Well, I don't know. We had a lot of. It's news the biggest news months. since blessings. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's, it's significant, and there's there's a it's bunch huge. of it, right? So, um, Dan, why don't you kick us off with the first one? I'll see. Yeah. If I can pull so, um, I love the French. I love their. <laughs> you know, lack of organization and their confusion about calendars. Um, I'm very thankful to all of them. The, uh, well, we don't know if it was the French or the French Canadians, but somebody <laughs> uploaded a PDF to uh, the French Downloads website that has a whole bunch of Cities of Sigmar rules um, for all the humans, all the elves, all the dwarves, and it's incredible. I mean, it's an entire three factions, essentially. When I first read it, I assumed that it was just replacing profiles and abilities. Um, it's a little bit confusing because it's Cities of Sigmar, Order Castellans, Cities of Sigmar, Dispossessed, Cities of Sigmar, Darkling Covens. And it's a little bit um, ambiguous about whether or not we can mix and match them if these are just three separate factions or whether these are kind of related sub-factions of each other. It doesn't fully explain it. So, you know, we'll probably need to wait until they actually release it and give us like the actual article and everything on, um, on it's dated for 11-9. So that'll yeah. be uh, not this Friday, but next Friday, but wonderful leak. And uh, we don't have to feel bad because GW leaked it themselves, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still up there, right? I literally just pulled it up, like, for us to look at, right? That's under yeah. the miscellaneous. Damn, we, they, they don't watch your show, Dan. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> they would have seen they, the, whole, the whole reveal. Yeah, so they... Uh, we It's probably too early right now to get into, you know, all of the ups and downs of each faction mm -hmm. people are kind of going into the uh various translations and you know getting into this some of the some of the fighters look pretty interesting um there's a uh there's like a burger wizard who's really really good um burger wizard. Uh, burger de armas i think is Ana de uh, armas's sort of weird nerdy <laughs> brother and Your french is a it's magnifique, <laughs> magnifique. um I got in a little bit of trouble for horribly mispronouncing some of these names on my show. I apologize to uh, all the Quebecois who I've offended. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's so it's so funny. The the Berger des Hommes is the soul herder. Oh, okay. Right? Or the yeah, soul, shepherd. soul shepherd. Like yeah, that's yeah, what I was soul told. Shepherd. Soul shepherd. Yeah. 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 So, so I screwed that up. I'm sorry. Um, okay. You know, I love Montreal. I've been there many times. It's a beautiful city. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, but they do look like, you know, the uh, the humans are probably going to be competitively viable. The dwarves might be as well, although it's a completely different, uh, it's going to be a completely different 
approach than Dispossessed have had in the past, which is the real news, I think, out of this, because these guys are on a different points algorithm than current oh. Warcry models are, which is really cool. Um, all the Darkling Covens, their abilities are trash, but the profiles all came down a bunch of points and are like really good now. Um, the the humans have a lot of weird profiles, but in general, it seems like it's on a different algorithm. The dwarves seem like they're on a different algorithm. And uh, then this kind of dovetails into just today, they released rules for the Black Talons, yeah. and they're a whole new faction. It's not just five right. random Stormcasts being shunted into Thunderstrike or something. No, it's an entire faction of Stormcast. Um, so well, it's, and we are they're like a an underworld's warband because they're all named characters, but they're a bespoke. Right, right, right. It's weird. Um, <laughs> and they're going to be kind of hard to build with because they're all unique. So you can only take one of each. So any kind of cutting you can do, you can't double up on any of them. Um, so they'll be a little bit hard to build with, but that's probably what it should be for like a, you know, a weird lore faction that's kind of off on the side. But um, some of them are really good. And that's that's yeah. kind of cool. And they're also just on a different points algorithm than uh, current Stormcaster on. So there's some speculation that maybe this means we'll be seeing a points update sometime in the next, you know, six months when they get around to publishing it. But like, it seems like they've got a points update in the bag. And, you know, whether yeah. they choose to publish it via FAQ or via Tome of Champions is up to them. And that's really cool. I'm really excited for it. That to me is the biggest the biggest news. Now I um I'm not a like I didn't go out and get the um Cities of Sigmar like book for Age of Sigmar, right? Like mm -hmm. I I don't play cities there and I, I haven't played um Age of Sigmar in a little while. But um I found it interesting that you they have basically condensed cities down into three cities. Like Anvil Guard's yeah. gone, the Living Cities is gone, right? Like there's um there, there's like it's it's very different and i think that that's a good thing because it was almost like too much you had too many options with I cities agree. you know and and the fact that you could sort of mix and match and choose things and like some of them kind of naturally wanted to be certain things and some of them didn't want to be you know and i think now it's just much more clear um <laughs> what it can be and i noticed they got rid of a lot of models like you don't see the lordling in there anymore. That that used to be like the you know the favorite um, little ally that you could throw in there for ninety points. It would give you the uh, swift as the wind um, yep. ability, you know. And so they got they got rid they of some of those. Half the elves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So and and a lot of the humans are just like gone. I mean, those those were like very legacy um, Warhammer like fantasy battle like oh you mean like all the old germans yeah they yep. got they got rid of all the germans mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, yeah exactly so with it with the new like um line update right they, that updated all the humans for sure um and the dwarves the dispossessed dwarves they didn't have a lot going on for them anyway um which Although, is too bad i really like the dispossessed i'd love to yeah. see kind of updated approach at like what what GW wants to do with their Tolkien-y dwarves. Because um, if they're not going to cut them, like if they wanted to cut them, they would have cut them because they just, 
they got rid of wanderers which is like how do you get rid of wood elves to me like wood elves yeah. are the core of fantasy right but you yeah. know they just didn't feel like they belonged anymore now i've heard people yeah, say that 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 means they're bringing out karnathi like in 2024 but you know we don't know that for sure right right so, you know, yeah um, yeah i was gonna say oh no they cut the uh gyro bomber and the gyrocopter but i didn't scroll down far enough unfortunately so. they did not cut the gyrocopter and the those ugly <laughs> ugly models so oh i think they're pretty when done really well but they're so bad they're just so bad yeah um, they're horrible. did they get a points change no they did actually get a little bit of a points drop i think i might be making that up i'm i to... i re-enter everything in front of me but yeah anyway so but yeah i mean i think it's a good thing right like this is i i, I think a leaned out cities of sigmar is a good thing um and i i think that um they suffered from too much bloat before where it was hard to kind of figure out what kind of list you wanted to make with them you know yeah and it was weird when there were only six there were six cities which is so many but only two of them were good and then it's yeah. like if you aren't online way too much, then you probably don't know that you only need to read two of them. And then it's like, you're just going through this awful novel. Anyway, right. um, I laughed a little bit before because uh, the gyrocopter did go down points, uh, five, only five. Oh, okay. So it's still well, now it's totally playable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want a 12 move flyer? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as the Black Talon stuff, I think there's some really interesting stuff out there. This is obviously kind of like, well, it was sort of, it was officially leaked, right? Like, they haven't come out with really any articles about this. This was like like uh, on the show that they do, their Warhammer show. So it, it's not like it was a, um, you know, surprise, potato camera surprise or anything like that. It was like officially kind of announced without being announced. Um, and so I imagine in the next week or so, we'll get more stuff about that, but keep your eyes on it because I think that there are some really interesting things in there and we'll dive deeper into that when we do more of a faction focus on them. Um, so we're not going to spend our time, you know, breaking them down because that's what our, uh, bulk and flame seekers are for today. Um, but yeah, before we get there, month, there any... we'll either do black talons or we'll do one yeah. of these cities things. Um, yeah, totally. Sure. And we'll get totally. through all of them this winter. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'm just interested in the seven move leader. That's I know, crazy. Right? That's uh, yeah. that that stormcast can sprint. She's a beast. Yeah. She's, well, I mean, that's like that was like her her model, right? Like she was like mid sprint with two axes for like the longest time, right? Yeah, and she was <laughs> so, one of the only move five stormcasts you could get, but now she's leveled up from five to seven. That's what happens when you don't skip leg day. Yeah, yeah. she's all leg day. She is one hundred percent leg day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She's not quite as thick as Elariel, though. You know? Yeah, that's true. Elariel's like, got some size. Whoa, well, that goes thick. Well, <laughs> is doing, like, max squats, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Nave and Calthea are just doing burpees. You know, like, right. they're just yeah, in they're, the yeah, they're going for a real endurance there, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, fit workouts, for sure, for those ladies. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so Dan, you to two tourneys, and you got another one coming up, huh? Give us the rundown. I did. Um, it was really fun. I uh, so first, 
really exciting. Javi has been a really big part of this. You've been in it as well, Justin. Um, mm -hmm. TTS, the mod for Warcry is working incredibly well now. Um, it's just like they've got it just humming like a well-oiled machine. And so you can just play Warcry on Tabletop Simulator. Um, you know, it's it's like its own video game now. I mean, it's incredible the stuff that uh, the two mods for it have done. Uh, Ziggy, Hood, we love you. You're amazing. Um, we love you guys so, so much. Yeah. So people were just like kind of talking about, um, you know, like the mod is working well. Why don't we have anything? And I just kind of offered to host it. And it worked really well. We had 14 players. And then the next month we had 20 players. And then it looks like this month we'll have 14 players again. So we're having these monthly TTS leagues. Um, which are really, really cool. We'll be able to get like, you know, online standings of all these TTS tournaments. We can combine them at the end of the year, something like that. I mean, it's just really awesome. And it's a really great way to like test out weird concepts, weird lists that you would never be able to run in person, um, stuff like that. I also got to uh, TO an in-person tournament um, in Roseville, Minnesota. And a bunch of the Dogs of War Cry folks came up. Uh, one of them won it. If anybody knows Eric from Dogs of War Cry, he is yeah. literally the example that in our podcast where you wanted to do an invitational, I was like, well, you can't have a tournament of you know the 30 best War Cry players without bringing Eric Oakland to the tournament. Uh, but he would never go to an invitational. And then he uh, he proved me right by just coming up and beating all the Minnesotans in our own tournament. So that was uh, cool to watch. He basically had, um, it was like Order's version of a Chimera Nurgle list. He went Living City and all Ironbreakers uh, mm -hmm. so that, because um, Living City has the reaction where they can run away after one attack. Uh, it's yeah. like the Hunters of Huanchi reaction, but they're dwarves, so they're better than Hunters of Huanchi fighters are. Um, and then just a big Charybdis. So it was like, I have the smallest, I have the best smalls and the best tall, you know, on, yeah. on the board most of the time. The long and, and short uh, of it. Yeah. I mean, he's been tuning that list for a while, hasn't he? I know at least the Charybdis has been out there for a while for him. He's been playing various versions of the Charybdis, and his dwarves are um, Necromunda dwarves, so he can kind of play them as anything he wants, which is really helpful. Um, if you want flexibility, doing a little bit of conversions can really help you that way. Uh, so he's been playing around <coughs> with a few different dispossessed lists with the Charybdis. Um, and, you know, they... Uh, they play a lot of weird stuff and I think it really helps them in Madison, you know, because, yeah. um, because they get into the weird nooks and crannies of the game. I think they come up with a lot of stuff that not a lot of other people like the online discourse doesn't touch a lot of the stuff they come up with because they're just like iterating and playing so much, which is, um, which is really cool. And yeah, weird, weird jank eventually can turn into a nice tuned tournament list. Yeah. Yeah. If you like, yeah, you start with something weird and then you, you know, trim the edges of it, trim the fat off of it, and you can really get something. So, um, yeah, congrats to Eric. It was really fun. Um, it was really cool seeing a lot of the new players see how the Madison players play when they're trying to win. Um, 
and kind of make them made some of the newer players think about like how one actually plays like mm. what the difference is between a pickup game and a playing to win game which was really cool because you know when i play with them casually on like a weekly basis i don't play to win and so you know we only have a few tournaments a year where they see that and that was cool um how many yeah. people did you have in the tournament you say um what was it we had 14 so nice. yeah that was good yeah that's a good uh that's a nice little one-day tournament for sure yeah. yeah and it was great for you know between that and these tts things it was great for getting a bunch of different uh experiments together for this particular show topic so i'm really excited yeah well, I, I will say this, and this is my plug for Tabletop Simulator. You can find it on the Big War Cry Discord. You can also link up with the Tabletop Simulator crew on our Discord that's in the link uh, description below. So if you're interested, you know, come come join us on our Discord and talk War Cry and, and, and get it linked in there. But I, I will say this. Um, there are a number of people that were either at our Nova tournament or that I've played with locally or played with elsewhere that were kind of either getting back into Warcry, like they played maybe 1.0 a long time ago, kind of got away from it and getting back into it, or they're new and they're just kind of like, hey, I just want to play more often. Um, I've played some of those guys. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys have leveled up, like leveled up a lot. You know what I mean? And like to the point where I'm like, I don't think I'm as good as I thought I was anymore because I'm not playing as much as they are. And yeah. it's just, you know, Warcry is a game where time on the stick really matters, right? Like you, mm -hmm. if you, and, and you, you kind of said it with the Madison guys, they're playing every week, you know, multiple games and iron sharpens iron. And, you know, like you just, you, you play at that constant level and you kind of iterate on a lot of different things. Like you, you learn the ins and outs, especially like movement, positioning, like all that kind of stuff starts to become second nature and you get much better, much faster. And so like, I, I was, I was thinking literally like during this thing, I'm like, Nova next year is going to be crazy because like if we're playing tabletop simulator for like a year, like there's going to be some beefcakes in that thing, you know, not just yeah. good looking ones either. You know, so. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody's getting to try out different lists. We're going to see a whole bunch of new data come out. And uh, two points on this. First of all, I'm really glad that Tabletop Simulator kicked off because I was the one like a year ago being like, hey, let's try this. And it was this janky mod that like, you know, Hood was like holding together with duct tape, doing a great job. You had to set up your own terrain and all this stuff. And then eventually he had the, the auto terrain loader. So it's kind of like this fun vindication that like finally everybody's acknowledge that TTS works and it and is a good place to play. Um, and then I had another point, but I think I've forgotten it. So, oh yeah. Um, TTS will also spoil you precisely because of how many cool tools there are. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need like AR goggles that like will project auras onto a real board <laughs> because I, I'm like, oh, how am I going to plan my move? Okay. I'm going to hit all the threat ranges for everybody um, and then see what's where safe. Um, which is funny because my first two games this league were against OBR, which if you know anything about them, they just they project everywhere. So if when I put the auras on the board, I had like these tiny slivers of safe movement where I wouldn't get double attacked and I had to like navigate through there. It would have it would have taken me three hours on a real table to like measure everything to make sure I was safe. So mm -hmm. you learn a lot about like looking at the board and figuring out, um, you know, yeah. where your good moves are when, when you have more tools like that. You just got to translate it to the table. 
for sure. For sure. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Dan, you got you got any? Do we have any other news? Uh, or are we uh, we good? Oh, Nate, uh, the Nether Maze. Oh yeah, we are. All we can say is the White Dwarf announced that we will get it, be getting the Nether Maze profiles. Yep. Uh, so that's the Skaven crew, the Daughters of Cain crew, who unfortunately are going to be attached to Daughters of Cain instead of Cainite Shadowstalkers, even though they are Cainite Shadowstalkers, which is it's the same so heartbreaking. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure they'll <laughs> they'll be bad anyway, unless they're on this new algorithm where elves aren't quite so expensive. Um, well, that would be interesting, right? What if what if the Shroud Queen from the UW Warband is just really different from the Shroud Queen in in the uh, in the bespoke one? They just grew up in different courts, okay? Like, yeah. right, right. Yeah, she's like thirty points cheaper, you know, than <laughs> yeah. everything else, you know. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, and then there's like a corn one that I'm really excited about because. Yeah. It's like a, kind of an Aztec slaughter priest, which is kind of cool. Um, if those rules are good, I might pick those up. A um, couple others. I know there's five in total that we're going to be getting, which is really cool. There's Hexbane's uh, hunters. You can't you can't leave those out because literally everybody's crazy for them. Everybody's oh, been yeah. trying to proxy them into everything else. Hundred percent. Yeah. And you combine those with the um, you know, with the the recent uh, Doggle, yeah, that just came out. Like that, that's yeah, a really cool Court. city style, you know, hunter doggo hunter list. Well, because Hexbanes has another dog, right? Yep. Yep. Mm. And they got the same kind of you know vibe going on, which is like. You know, like the leather and the straps and the hats and the pistols and all that stuff, you know, so. Yeah, they feel like yeah. an extension of the Wilder Corpse. They feel like, yeah. um, maybe this is too mean, but they feel like the STLs that didn't quite make it into Wilder Corpse. They just made <laughs> experience hunters out of which them. Is, which is crazy to me because, like, they're great models. I love them. I, like, I really oh, do like them, them <laughs> you know, but uh, it's just funny. I agree. They're like the leftovers, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Awesome. Lots of news, lots of good stuff. If you guys are interested in discussing this, jump in, into the Discord. We're also very lively chatters in there. Um, I mean, with Javi in there, it never is a dull moment. And then you get Robert in the mix, and uh, it gets a little wild. You know, Then, then it gets wild. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about Vulcan Flame Seekers. That's what we're here to do our faction focus on today. And uh, here we go. I'm going to pull this up. Warcrier's got all the news for you. Again, we thank you, Warcrier, for your efforts in putting this together. Um, you know, it's funny. I have seen less and less people being like, well, just use Battlescribe. Use Battlescribe all the time. Not anymore. Because War no. Yeah, because Warcrier, you're so much better and accurate. Weird. So thank you. For well, and updated instantly. Black Town's already up there, too. Exactly. It's like because <laughs> uh Hood used to um be the one who does battle scribe, but he would have because yeah. he couldn't update, he could only make the updates and he couldn't push right. them through, and it's yep. like because he didn't own the app and it, it was just exactly. a tough situation. So um Warcry are all belonging to the same two people, you know, works really well. hundred percent. And like, you know, I, I know. So yeah, exactly. hundred percent. That's all I'm going to say about uh, that. Anyway. Uh, so Vulcan flame seekers, which by the way, I really like DW's paint scheme on this. Like I like the dog. That's like green and yeah. You know, 
And the stripes, so, the black and red stripes yeah. on the Mohawks are really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the way they made like their feet be covered in soot so that they aren't it their little hobbit feet on regular fire slayers look so weird because they're like so yeah. bright little feet uh but here it's like almost like they've got boots because their feet are covered in soot so i kind of like that well that's Please. part of their lore too well the yeah, the, the, particular... the soot on the hands on the and the feet is part of their lore so it makes sense mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, this should just be the default um, sub-faction for Fire Slayers, I think. like Because this color scheme is so much better than the main color scheme that yeah. they come with on, uh, it's legit. on all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you never could have convinced me to buy Fire Slayers, but I bought a box of the Flame Seekers right away. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. So let's talk about the leader here. Um, what are we, what you are we you mean the, the least interesting member of the warband? I yeah. mean, you have to talk about the leader, right? I mean, so, he's the leader. Yeah. So you've got two options with him, right? You've got the it's the Vulcan Rune Father with the Mastercraft, Mastercrafted Bokaz or the Droth Vault Great Axe. Which one are you guys taking? Uh, the cheaper one. Just take the points. Yeah. That's how I would go with it. Uh, in my list, I've taken the the more expensive one just because um, when we get into the abilities, it's the ignite weapons is just so good. So that extra bit of crit is nice. But don't you only get one damage out of it? Yeah. Well, if like, you if you miss, it, it takes a miss to a crit, so you get one more. You get you do get one more damage. So um, ultimately, it comes down to where the points go because I'd rather have the five crit, but. These guys are so oddly pointed that five points can matter. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. That's probably true. Because um, that's probably what we should start at. These guys, if you build the entire box, you have an extra model. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, okay. yeah. yeah. Let's do that at the end, because that is, I think, one of the most important things about this warband. But um, I think we should go through the fighters first. And yeah. then we should talk about that. But so, that is so like, one thing I one thing I do want to mention. Yeah, sorry. So one thing I do want to mention is that all of them, and this is the first time that I've seen this, right? All of them have a ranged attack, right? And it's all the mm -hmm. same profile. It's basically them throwing their axes. And mm -hmm. you've seen it to where like um there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like um magic heavy uh war bands uh like a zinch war band for example where all the heroes will have the same like range magic profile and stuff like that but um i've never seen it where the fighters also have it all so um i think that's i think it's kind of interesting i do think it affects their points though the fact that all of them have these like you know and it's not the greatest i mean it's two attacks strength four one three damage like but it has no minimum range, so you could use it in, you know, like in combat if you need to. But I don't know. I just, it's interesting. I, I worry that it affected their points too much. In a sense, it definitely, you know, yeah, it's they're going from a really solid base, I think, but they are all five to ten points more expensive because of having that uh, ranged attack. Even yeah. the poor little doggo has a terrible ranged attack. You know, they, they can't <laughs> look at that thing. I mean, it, it does all work with the with the ignite weapons though. So if it, you're you're rolling two dice, you're you're going you're going for a miss and a crit, so you get two crits. 
Um, but yeah, and, I mean, and I've played a couple games with them. I uh, played a couple games against them. The ranged attack comes into play if if you're kind of having the standoff. You're just going to do chip damage, you know. Yeah. And these guys are pretty. They hit pretty hard. So if you come into them with some chip damage, you're probably going to, you know, you might die. You might we get taken down? Well, they've I mean, got some I'd... abilities we can talk about later that yeah. might put you in position. But in general, like I don't want to be move and then shooting with them. I feel like that's a real waste of of space because you've only got the three inch move. So how are you going to get into position with without having done that? Now, you know, for some kill missions, your opponent will do the job for you. I think a lot of people play kill missions like they're drunk and they just go straight at you, or or they play it like they're you know. <laughs> maybe uh maybe a little high and a little scared to do anything crazy and they just kind of stand there not moving and if if your opponent does either of those things maybe the the shooting will help but um otherwise i think you know i i want to be moving around with them and that's uh well i mean it, it is an eight inch range so if somebody's trying to run away you have you have a way to plink them off the board it is nice in treasure missions because otherwise I do think that these would be pretty terrible in treasure missions. Um, so that part's, yeah, I agree with that. That part's really nice if they're specifically trying to hide from you or get away from you. I do, I do like the idea that any one of your fighters has the opportunity to reach out and touch somebody, you know, that needs to be touched, right? So, um, you know, I felt the same way about the... Um, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but the um, the Chaos Legionnaires uh, chieftain. The Kyriarch? Uh, the Kyriarch, yeah. And his Dark Pact ability, right? Like, I actually like it, um, even though it does damage to yourself. But it's one of those things where it's like, if you need to, like, kill somebody from a distance because, you know, you're doing a Reaper mission or you're doing, you know, like you just need them off an objective or something like that, like, it gives you an option to do that. So... That is yeah. kind of nice, but you know, well, I'd rather spend dice on it like the Decuriarch does than spending points on it like sure. these fighters do. But sure. um, you know, don't need to beat the dead horse on that. I just I tend to like overwhelming numbers and efficiency as opposed to you know kind of cute utility. I think mm -hmm. it's usually easier to just sort of beat someone off the board with math than it is to outthink them. Um, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we can't talk about the Arc without mentioning that Tough Tooting Baby on TTS in the league runs two of them I in his went list. Up I went up against that with my Bone Splitters, and like they were I hated them. Like they were. Johnny yeah, yeah. I, I played him too. He was my final match, and he it was again it was on that treasure mission. I was afraid to pick up treasure the whole time because that guy the Arc has a twelve inch range on that burn spell. I know. So <laughs> it works. And that's that, that I think the moral of the story is try anything because it might work. Well, and he's got the we're going way too far afield here, but this leader also has it, so we can tie it back to fire slayers. The yeah. 21st and 22nd wounds are actually a really big deal here because and the Decuriarch has them as well, which is what made me think of it. It because so many fighters in the game do um you know 20 is a multiple of how much damage they deal if that makes sense like if you are on twos and fours if you crit for fives right like um if like twos and fives and twos and fours both stop at 20 a lot of the time when you're yeah. counting that way um and so 
the 21st wound is actually one of the most important wounds in the game. I would say the ninth wound and the 21st wound yes. on a fighter are probably the two most important wounds to have in the game. And, uh, and these guys have that 21st wound. So that makes them a little bit better, I think, than like the average bespoke leader who's sitting at 20. I think, you know, that one wound actually does make a lot of difference as far as how many times you'll get to activate with them. So it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because I was, you know, I've been playing bone splitters in the last tabletop simulator and they do like a lot of my guys do three, six damage with like three attacks, right? Or four attacks sometimes. Mm. And so, so the 10th is the 10th wound. The 10th wound yeah. was the big one. I would leave yeah. so many guys on one wound and that was the difference in like four of my games. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like just leaving two guys on one wound made the difference because I would have tapped that objective and then I could have moved my guy to go do something else, but they were both on one wound. So it took two attacks, two more attacks to kill both of those one wound guys. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that is a really good point is 21, you know, that like is a really important number. I think nine is an important number. Those are really, uh, really good one. 15 is a good number too. Um, like I found that a lot of people would get me to like 12 or 13, like in a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Right. So with the, yeah. with the bone splitters. So, but um, anyway, that's really, really good. This leader's ability. Is it good? What does he have? There is. He doesn't have one. That's why I said he was, the mo- that's why I said he was the least interesting one in the war band. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I mean he's he's got the leader rune mark, but there's no leader ability, so mm-hmm. he's just a pretty good fighter. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I don't love. I, I'd be I'd I'd almost be more upset to lose one of the chaff than him in some weird ways. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of some of the other fighters that we got here. Um, which ones do we want to focus on, Dan? The let's blood uh, the let's just go down the list. Draw list. Okay. Draw blood Thane, also known as Dragon Hat. Um, he's so I made. I keep putting my foot in my mouth as far as my uh, aesthetic choices, but I think he's the only member of the warband that doesn't look incredible. Uh, but as a fighter, I think he might be the best in the warband. I think he's really, really good. I'm, he's in that mid-range place where you never really want to be, but he does a lot for you know compared to other fighters at his points value. So I think he's pretty exciting. Um, you know, five attacks, four, two, four. I mean, yes, you don't ever want to go walk into uh, counter control. Like you would never want to go up against a dispossess. Well, now dispossess has been nerfed for this, but you would never want to walk into say. Um, Ozark Bone Reapers with this guy, something like that. Uh-huh. But um, he is—he is quite good for anything that doesn't have toughness five chaff, and he has kind of a cool ability. Let's uh, let's get into this ability because I think that really tells the story of um, kind of how we use him. Well, uh, one thing I was going to say is like he surprised me at toughness five too, right? So for one for one forty point, that's not a bad attack profile. I wasn't expecting the toughness five in there. And twenty well. wounds. For he's toughness he's, a, he's a really efficient stormcast. Yeah, right. Basically, yeah, exactly. that's what he is. 
Yeah. So for for 140 points, like normally you you've got some really crappy mid range models at 140 points. You know what I mean? Like either yeah. their attack profiles <laughs> suck and they got a lot of wounds, or vice versa. And you're just like, eh, these guys are if, iffy. I think he's maybe one of the best like 130 140 point fighters out there, actually. You know, mm-hmm. for for that. So. Um, all right, so he has the Berserk Rampage, which is pick an enemy fighter within one inch of this fighter roll six dice. For each result that matches the value of this ability, allocate a number of damage points to that enemy fighter equal to the value of this ability. For each other result, allocate one point to the fighter. So what does that mean, Dan? It means you can just get in people's face, and this guy blows chaff out of the water. But yeah. if you're fighting something that's a little tougher, a little bit harder to crack, you have this triple that's guaranteeing you six damage, which is really right. nice to have. Um, it means that a lot of fighters that he would normally have to really give a wide berth to, you're still not going to recklessly charge him in there, right? That'd be stupid to waste a triple like that. But if they come at you, you they have to think twice. You can really put some fear into them because of your ability to go, I'm going to guarantee six, but most of the time it's going to be more than six. Most of the time it's going to be, you know, eight, nine, ten. So I um, hope people out there are recording the cool. tabletop simulator of this guy for when they roll six sixes for damage. All right. So right. story time. So damage. I, <laughs> I, I've, I've used this guy a lot and I have done six damage almost every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a really swingy ability because yeah. when you're five up, you'll roll sixes. When you're six up, you'll roll fives, and you get <laughs> so you get nothing extra for that. So I was kind of down on it. Like I was originally going to be like, okay, let's run two things, get in there, you know, spread out this berserk rampages or whatever. And then I kept not getting anything but six damage out of it. That's fine. So then I um I think it was on Monday I played um um. War games on toast, Adam, and he he was playing this, and it it was it was loot and pillage. It was the last bit of the game, and I was like, the only way that you win this game is if you can kill Vasilak with one attack and this ability. <laughs> and he this it. dude had a six up triple, and he rolled three sixes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he did twenty one damage. Oh, that's amazing. And then, and then proceeded to just like hit and crit and then barely kill Basilac and then I lost. Yeah. So so yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> it, it's a very swingy ability because you have to match the value of the dice as opposed to just rolling sixes. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know how to do the math on that because it's not just like yeah. any triple works, it's a right. specific triple. Or this is or, a, or this is a triple yeah, this is a triple that creates war cry stories. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, like that one. one that you're like, this one time I was playing, you know? And so um, it's great that way. I'm going to compare it, though, to the um, uh, to the Lord Relictor's triple, which is like you roll, you know, the number of dice that you have and on a two-up for, you know, for each, like for every dice over two, you get one damage, which you're doing like, I mean, I, if I was rolling six, I'd be doing like five to six damage with that, you know, which... I thought was decent because it was like, Hey, I can like hit somebody six inches away and maybe like finish off a chaff or something like that. Um, the fact that you're guaranteed six damage on a triple, I don't think is terrible when you really need it, you know, like, well, I mean, we, we're already used it, but it's the same as the charge, 
Right. If you have a six up char, uh, not charge, the tackle ability, right? That a lot of yeah. like bulky units have. It's the same as that, except just always better. Like always at least as, as good as the best result you could get from that. Right. Exactly. So it, it, I mean, I just see this kind of a massive increase in the power of triples because the, this and saw it up with, um, from the, um, the monster killers, they have crazy spike potential. Interesting. Uh, that's an interesting observation. I don't know that I picked up on that, which is that maybe um, they're they're getting because like the doubles have been very very good for a long time for a lot of different factions, right? And quads, unless it was rampage, usually uh, for a long time didn't ma matter, but triples um, were very hit and miss. And now it's I think it's that's an interesting observation. I think they're yeah. realizing that you have to do you have to plumb other or like mine other design space be, beyond just like here are the free actions i can give you because there's only so many types of free actions that you can get and right now all the free action abilities are the best abilities in the game um and i think that that is very slowly changing uh if the translations are right on some of these uh new french war bands uh they have some pretty strong abilities that aren't just free actions. So um, I think that's really cool. I mean, I think it's great that they're kind of getting into that design space. And, yeah. and this is one of those where, you know, for most fighters, this ability is just better than a free attack action, right? So yeah. um, I mean, it's a minimum three hits on an attack. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So, right. so you're, it's like it's at least as good as that. Like, that's not a bad attack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So that's really so let's nice. Talk about the this. EV, oh, just Go for ahead. people at home who don't want to have to do the math, the EV is just whatever your dice value is plus five. So if you roll the four, it's nine. If you roll the two, it's seven. So that's your EV for this. Um, or yeah. if you're me, it's always six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby is rolling bad so that all you guys will roll good. It the <laughs> dice evens out right on everything. It's just only evening badly for Hobby. Thank you. Hobby. I, I was so excited to try this ability out, and then like it just didn't hit like so many times, and then I got slapped by it. It's great. That so, was my. Anyways, I'm not bad. bitter. You're bitter. When uh, when we for the back <laughs> the back got uh, nerfed to be just one instead of half the value of the dice it didn't it didn't matter to me because i had never rolled it on a on a trip threes <laughs> or fours or fives or sixes before nice. anyway um all right let's get into that drop master who i also yeah, so, think is really good yeah so interestingly he's got a three inch um you know ranged uh, melee attack um three attacks strength four two four damage um he's 125 and um so yeah tell, I mean, me, tell me why you like him dan <laughs> um well i just think his ability is the bee's knees and i think okay. in general three inch range attacks are really useful um mm -hmm. it can kind of shock people how far that is on the board that's a really it's a six wide... inch bubble yeah um, oh, it's it's like a it's a seven inch bubble because you got to take the yes, base into account yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, 3424 is one of those where, like, you never take a fighter because it has 3424. But then when you just walk up to a fighter, you know, just dismissing that ability, like, oh, I won't take any damage from this guy. 
it does do some damage and at a three inch bubble that's good but the real reason you're taking them is for this ability like it's mostly the body isn't attack it isn't a tax and right. then you get to do creed of front creed of frame creed of flame i can't talk today pick a friendly fighter that is not within six inches of this fighter that fighter makes two bonus move actions or a bonus or one bonus attack action uh if that friendly fighter has the beast rune mark which this is order, so that's worthless. Uh, that fighter makes two bonus move actions, then a bonus attack action. So you can ignore that last sentence, but the the middle sentence there is really really good. Now you're now you're just now you're just dunking on our little magma dog. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There was there was a little bit too much of the opinion page there, and not enough of the uh, who, what, where, when, why, right? Um, but Javi, have you been playing a lot of Drothmaster? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the most interesting member of the Warband, and if it wasn't the weird ally rules that we have, he would be the leader. Because yeah. he's the one that's whipping people around the board. He can whip the oh, yeah. leader around the board. That doesn't make any sense. But yeah. you can't have him be the leader, because then he would just be allied into any other Warband. Yeah, no right. kidding. Um, you know, I, I, like I kept saying when I saw this guy, I'm like, if we had him as a leader in Chaos... It would be over. Chaos would win everything because you would just be slinging <laughs> these big angry myrmidons all over the board. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's really interesting. I like. I, I think he's got a really solid attack profile. I like three inch range um, with four strength. It's really nice because you're not also getting super countered because a lot of the three inch range stuff is three uh, strength as well. Um, so he's he he's interesting because of sequencing, right? So you're launching. Another fighter that's on the other side of the board, three as uh, you know, two attack, uh, two move actions, and then it's sitting there. So it's it's a weird um, kind of setup because you don't immediately get to attack unless you're sending the dog there. So I've been trying to figure out the best way to use them. Really, you want them on the board round one, but you have to be careful who you deploy them with because he can't use it on anybody near him. So he can't be within six inches, yeah. Well, right. Can, so it's it's you can move twice in a straight line and then use it on someone in his deployment group, but that's not yep. ideal. Right. So you it's it's a it becomes a sequencing thing where it's not in, immediately apparent how to use him optimally. You gotta you gotta kind of think it out and you know, probably wait out some activations. You can move another model and then fling it two more two more moves later um when you activate him. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, if you put them in a round one type of thing, you could probably catch some people unaware. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if, like, you're, you know, you're, like, in one of those weird dagger ones that are, like, eight inches from the center of the board across from each other. And, they're you know, maybe there's a treasure in the middle. They kind of move closer to the treasure thinking, like, oh, you're never going to, like, you're never going to get there. So they do a double move. You mm -hmm. could send your dude double move and then move him again and get him engaged for beginning round two. And so well, he's getting swung against, right? Like right away. Uh, but he's yep. right in the thicket of it, like for round two. So like, that's a, that's an idea to me. That's an ideal round one play with him. Right. And I like putting plus one move on the Thane. So now you're launching a, a four move angry dwarf at them instead of just a three move. Um, sure. and then, then nobody really wants a thing in their face. Um, so I, I like him. I, I think he's cool. I, I wish the dog was a little better so that you could really want to use that, that 
b- double move and attack, but Better the dog isn't bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean that's a lot of value. I mean, it's like a, it's like a heated, it's like a heat seeking missile dog. <laughs> so really let's, the board. Let's, talk, let's talk about our magma, our magma dog. I mean, it's it's a dog you love to hate, but you still love him because he's your puppy. You know, so um, <laughs> there's no hate but, here. He's he's great. He's great. Competitively viable, I don't know, but he's great. He yeah, he's cute. 80, he should be 85 points, in my opinion. Well, I have uh, I have some tinfoil hatting to uh, to talk to you about later after we finish all of the fighters. Um, okay, all right. As he is, I don't. Man, just like I want him to do something else. Also, like he's only got 10 wounds for 110 points. That's um, usually on my oh no no's list. Anything over a hundred, really yeah. all, over 90 with only 10 wounds is kind of an oh no no. Um, he does have that four attacks, four strength, and you know, twos and threes. I mean, his attack profile is fine, it's just he's gonna die so quick, and you spend so many points on him. Um, oof, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a buyer on the dog. At a different you like his, you be. like his ability. It's like a mini flamer, and Javi knows about flamers here. Yeah, I mean I, that's why I got ex- excited about these guys in the first place. So I was like, you give me a little mini flame hurler dog. Who's <laughs> been tapping into my dreams? But um, it's so much worse. It's it's unplayable, it's so right? Because oh, it, no, I mean, I it's I think it's just fun. I I don't think well, I'm I if I, I'm never yeah. I don't think I'm ever gonna take him to a tournament. But yeah. he's just so cool, you know. Yeah. He's just burping flame at guys and <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but I mean, the way I've envisioned using him is getting him up on elevation and firing off eight-inch range shots at things, and then he's ready to be launched across the board to capture an objective or um, or just you know drag somebody down or something he has uses he's just way too expensive for for what he does but you can still make him useful and have fun with him especially like in 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 any in a whole bunch of different lists but he's just not the best like the 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 scale breakers are way better the the thing's way better i just don't think that um he can be used the way that people want to use him right like you're like I want this. I want this flame dog to go flame up a whole bunch of people. Like you just want him to get in the in the mix of it, and you can't use him that way, just as you kind of described. So it's counterintuitive yeah. in that sense, right? Because like the this is where the lore and the fluff sort of get in the way of the of how he's written, you know. So yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, one of my favorite things to do with with horns of a ship flame hurlers was to uh, flame hurl a deployment. Right. Yeah. Round two, just yeah. just torch a deployment, you know, with, with a you can get a little bit of that. And I think chip damage is something I'm coming around to. Um, I just don't want to pay 110 points for it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. You. I pay 50 for my chip damage. <laughs> right. Like but your KO, I do. KO guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> KO Correct. plague bearers. Like I'm not yeah. trying to pay anything more than 50 points for my little yeah, chip. I mean, if right? I'm trying to yeah. run. Obviously, there's there's such a big, great sandbox to Warcry, but it does, you know, the existence of really broken 50-point chaff just makes it, when you look at a, a profile like 1624 on a 110-point model, you're just like, ooh, okay, let's, uh, yeah. ooh. 
Yeah. Um, so we have. I don't the, want to be too we, down on him because we have some other cool fighters. Let's get into. Yeah, this I mean, you know, it's like like we said, he's a doggo you love to hate, but he's still your doggo. So you know. If I bring him, I tell everybody I'll John Wick him if they kill him. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so we've got like basically our chaff models at ninety-five points each. It's a scale breaker with the fire steel split chaff. axe and the scale breaker with the bokaz. Um, how are you guys feeling about these two? I think. Yeah. I mean, I think they're the best fighters in the warband. Oh, nice. Okay. Because they're 95 points. Yeah. And, you know, you want to bring like four of them, but they do a scary amount of damage with ignite weapons. Right. Mm -hmm. If so, if you look up at ignite weapons, right, that one says yeah, count one miss. Right? Yeah, it's a double count one miss from the next attack action made by the spider. This activation as a critical hit instead. Yeah. So let's just say you roll a miss. A hit and a crit, which happens not, you know, I mean, happens pretty often. That's twelve damage with yeah, double, and then he still has another attack. Yeah, you're you're deleting, you know, a mid range model with with a double. It's way better than onslaught, you know. It, it's and then well, you know you want to you want to be real cheeky, put put crit damage on him for ten points. And now they're hitting two six. Yeah. <laughs> And and especially like um, you take this guy up again. I mean, the, like the the fire steel split axe is a uh, got three attacks for strength five, right? But like you put him up against a toughness six or even a toughness five fighter like a stormcast. I mean, the chances are that you're gonna miss at least one of those, and all of a sudden, like four damage on him or five damage depending on your guy, right? Like that's um that's not for nothing because that's an eight point swing right there you know what i mean well i don't know yeah. it's a four point swing you're not going negative damage but you know instead of a miss it's it's a crit so like that's a significant change right the worst case scenario is that you do six damage because you do three hits right you know so they uh they 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 bite really hard so if you're moving in and you so the, this whole warband is just hits really hard if you get near them and you don't kill them. So they're very punishing when you get close to them. So what I've been doing is just trying to keep them as like a death ball. So I'll move, I'll move, I'll try to move them around together. So if you move in, you're going to face like two or three of them. Yeah. And, and then one or two of them is going to ignite weapons, you know, and then the Droth master can whip them for another attack. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, I'd rather use an ignite weapons with a double than whip than use a triple to whip them. Yeah. For the extra do attack. Like, do you like the Bokaz who has um, you know, less strength but more crit damage just because of that? Yeah, I try to take I want one Bokaz in, in each deployment group and then I'll take one split axe just to deal with um, you know, higher toughness stuff. But I yeah, I, I think the two five is really it's just such a huge swing to go from a miss to a crit. Yeah. And I, I mean, and even I'm if not, I mean, they're still, they're still doing good damage. Yeah. I think I'm definitely more of a buyer on the split axe myself. Uh, the opportunity cost is only one damage. Plus um, you just do, it's a slightly better profile when you're not spending dice on them, but, but getting that extra one day, I mean, you know, <laughs> we were just talking about how many times Justin leaves somebody on one health. And so yeah, certainly. Uh, the one damage is not nothing. Um, but, but I am. But you're hitting on threes man, a lot with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, 
in certain situations, you're going to get better than that one damage because you rolled on the thing that, you know, you rolled a three and you hit instead. But but then again, yeah. sometimes your regular crits, you know, just in general, I think the the naked profile without it flaming weapons is just a tiny bit better on the uh, axe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Javi's the one who's been playing it, but like when I read it, I'm just so excited to be using all of my dice to try to get the triples that are on the two specialists because those yeah. triples are so busted. And when I look at this warband, what I want to do is um, take that Drothmaster and start whipping Stormcast Paladins around the board. Because to me, like that's just a wild amount of power. Like what you can do to a Decimator Prime, especially because that's the one where if you've taken a little bit of damage on one of your allies, the Decimator Prime can get a free move off a double. And so, I mean, that's an absurd amount of utility. And then you can whip it around the board with the Drothmaster. And that thing is... Three bonus so moves. Powerful. Yeah. So it's like you're just getting all kinds of bonus moves onto a Stormcast Paladin leader. Um, and, you know, those things are incredible, except for when they just, like, come on the board round two and don't do anything. Right? Because that happens when you take Stormcast Paladins as an ally... That just that happens, right? Yeah. And you just yep. you lose so many of the games where that happens, and if you don't have something to do with them, and this warband can do it. I mean that, yeah. God, and he's and he's twenty wounds for one hundred and twenty-five points. Twenty wounds on the on the Drothmaster. It's like because the opponent wants to kill the support wizard, right? And but this support wizard is you know, T4, 20 wounds and not that expensive. So I, I think that- And there's going to be a scale breaker next to him that if you don't kill him, the scale breaker is going to come in and crack you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there there's a lot of options to go around there. Like, the, like I said, the only thing that becomes weird is that you're flinging a model that then has to sit there for an activation. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is so, why I love the Paladins. Um, because- Yeah, they'll you're survive. Yeah. <laughs> you're not killing them. They're on toughness six. They've got 25 wounds. Yeah. Um, All right. So um, the the so we talked about ignite weapon. The other um, ability that is universal with this group is the blazing impetus, which I can use it only after making two move actions the same activation. They get to make a bonus move action or bonus disengage action. Um, I I can see this as very situational right like you need you just need to get somewhere for a thing i do like the fact that they added the disengage there though so you could literally eat yourself in there if somebody's sitting on an objective but then disengage and cap that objective right like mm -hmm. i i think it's kind of nice um it's not uh i don't think it's going to be as widely used as ignite weapons obviously right but it does. it's a great first round move it's a great final round move yeah yeah for yeah, sure 100%. 100% for, for Dumble. Um, the last ability that I think we, um, well, we can talk about the reaction here in a minute, but the quad, I'm curious now that like Rampage has been nerfed. This is always the question I have now. Now that Rampage has been nerfed, is this quad good, right? This is the aspect of the scales. Pick an invisible enemy fighter within three inches of this fighter. Roll six dice for each roll of a two up. Allocate a number of damage points to that fighter equal to half of this ability running up. So you're either going to have a one, two, or three that you allocate for each dice, right? Um, six. So, you know, for two up, 
you're looking at like minimum five damage ish, right? On average, I'm not minimum, mm -hmm. but average of five damage on a one, and you know, so ten on a two and fifteen on a three. So in that same game where he uh, Adam deleted uh, Vasilak with the triple, he also mostly deleted Slake Slash with the quad. <laughs> so. Again, stuff that I didn't get to play with that he was just slapping me around with. So the, the quad is powerful. The triple has a lot of swing potential. Um, but I think he did um, I think he did it with like five ups. So I, I think he did like 15 damage to Slake Slash on the quad. Yeah. And remember, Justin, the Rampage change is a buff for Fire Slayers. It's not a nerf. It is. You're, right? yeah, that is a very good point, Dan. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Because um, it's... It's not uh, a bonus move, right? It's it's like and so if you have a five on your dice, I mean that's a that's a bonus move, almost two bonus moves essentially for them, right? With mm -hmm. a uh, with you know with yeah. a five movement, so that does help. Um, the question though is, do you think that you could like if you had somebody within three inches of you, like does that five really matter? in terms of, you know what I mean? Like it gives you the bonus move to get in there and then attack three times, or you could just do 50, you know, like 12 to 15 damage and then get in and attack once. Right. So if you have a high quad, I think, a if you have a high quad and don't need to move, you're using this ability. Right. Yeah. The other time I think you use it is if your leader and your uh, dragon hat are both dead, then the three attacks is not going to be as good as the quad, right? Because they're the two fighters who three attacks from them is better than one attack plus this. Yeah. Uh, but if they're dead, which is going to happen a lot late in the game, because they're the scariest fighters, right? The leader and the and the dragon hat, right? Your yeah. opponent's going to be trying to kill them. So um, if they're dead, then yeah, you'll probably use this. I mean, in general, I think. Teams that have a really good way to use a full house are just generally a good place to be, and you can often ignore the faction quad in favor of having a full house. Um, and this team is really good with a full house, right? Because yeah. you can do one of the two specialist abilities and you can do ignite weapon. So if I roll a triple, I'm... I'm it's a tough decision. I'm often I'm going to go with the full house, um, but uh, but this quad doesn't suck. I mean, there's definitely times right. when you'll use it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, so we should mention the reaction, and this will kind of round us out. Um, this is you can re you can use it after you're targeted, but before the hit rolls are made, um, you count up to two critical hits from that attack action as hits instead. Um, I, I think this is kind of situational. Uh, this is like it's kind of so situational. This is like oh, you really? know the Gut Lord or a Myrmidon, right? Like is attacking you, and you're like, uh, I really don't need to die. I really can't die here, you know. So uh, I'll tell you what. It, it. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Oh no, I want to. You've been playing with it. I'm curious how it's been going <laughs> for you. Uh, I'm. I'm going to sound like a broken record though. Like every time I've used it, it hasn't done anything. But then it saved Adam in that game. <laughs> So, uh, so right. So oh. what it is, what it this is a reaction you use when you have a lot of wounds left. You use it early. 
because reducing two crits to hits when you're almost dead anyway probably isn't going to save you. Right. So if if a big angry dude moves in and you're and you're full wounds, you might want to use the reaction then because that might save you. But yeah. if you're low wounds, just counter. It's not going to save you. Right. Um, I would say so. This is the same as the Iron Golems reaction. Yep. And this reaction is part of why Iron Golems are good. Uh, because is there one they or have, two? What? Is there like reduced one critical hit or two? Uh, I don't know if they do one or two. We can look that up. I can look that up while I'm talking. But um, essentially, now it is better for Iron. Yeah, it's Golems. the same reaction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is the same. Good. So it is a little better for Iron Golems because they've got uh, cheaper guys. They've got those 75, uh, 75 yeah. point toughness five guys, right? Um, so Iron Golems can kind of troll you a little bit where it's like you can only hurt me with crits because you can never get a hit and your crits are only regular hits. So good luck. Um, this Warband can't do that, but I still think it's a good reaction, um, especially if my conspiracy tinfoil hat things work out. Um, they can't sell a box that is not a valid warband. Like, they can't be doing that. So the chance, like, right. this is going to get FAQ'd. This warband is going to get FAQ'd. Now, I don't know what is going to come down 20 points. Um, but if it's the scale breakers, then this reaction gets really good, right? If those scale yeah. breakers go to 90 points, um, you're, you know, you have legitimate reason to, to run a bunch of them, right? Uh, so, so if that happens, then I think this reaction is great, uh, because then it's well, like you have all these unkillable scale breakers. And what's amazing, Javi's already alluded to this, you can react, make it so they don't do any damage to you, and then ignite weapons so that most of your offense is on just one attack anyway. Right. Right? Like, you don't, it's not like onslaught, you know, when your chaff really wants to be using onslaught, uh, which these guys actually don't use onslaught all that badly either. You know, they're actually kind of used for onslaught. I mean, you go you go to four four two five on the Bokas. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. um, but uh, when your chaff, like, or like when you, it's like Seraphon, right? Like when your damage is on just one attack, you can throw out, you can react with impunity essentially because it's not really affecting your offense all that much. And so if that happens, if the scale breakers go down to 90 points, which they might, I mean, who knows which one, I don't know which fighter is going to go down, but um, if they go down by nine to 90 points, then I think uh, this reaction becomes very spicy. And all of a sudden, you know, running lists with six of these scale breakers actually becomes something you might want to do. Well, um, I'll tell you what, since James workshop is listening to our podcast, thank you again. Welcome to the show. Um, they're gonna hear how bad the Kindle Droth is, and that's gonna go down to ninety points. Straight it's not bad. He's cute. Don't say bad <laughs> things about the dog. If if you brought the Kindle Droth down to ninety points, and now that's the chaff model, I might I might run two of them. You know. <laughs> no. Um. My my conspiracy theory is that um, Games Workshop wants you to run these guys at nine hundred and twenty points and take two wild dice. Um, blessings. There you go. That that's my because I I did that and that was my best game with them. 
was just I, having that's scary an endless I, I just i took priority i did whatever i want my wild dice i had all the ignite weapons i could handle and and triples every it was just great so yeah you know <laughs> you know the idea that um they're not going to have a thousand point uh warbands out of the box um because blessings are out there isn't a terrible conspiracy there you know um it, i think it liberates them to design war bands and not have to constrain them because like for example you look at a corvus cabal that's supposed to be a thousand points out of the box and either you need to add more models and drop those points or you need to buff up their profiles to what is kind of ridiculous profiles for little elves that think that they're birds right so i think you guys are too know. online i'm sorry <laughs> Nobody knows that blessings exist. Like, well, no, so, I, I know. It's, so hear me, know so hear me out. I it just works out that way. No, Dan, I totally agree with you. I think that blessings is going to get, um, like, re integrated into the Warcraft 3.0. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen is they're going to start putting out these warbands that might be slightly under or even slightly over a thousand points, and just be like you guys can now do what you want with them in 3.0 because you have blessings to like play with the numbers. And now we're not having to like be beholden to design a perfect thousand, a thousand point army in the box. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. Justin, but I think it's for 3.0, like once sure. it's in the core book. Yeah. Yes. But, but absolutely. Yeah. It, it empowers them to get way lazier if they want. Um, <laughs> or, or more creative, right? Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, that's, that's the way I, James, don't, don't, don't listen to him. You know, <laughs> we won't let Dan say bad things about you anymore. Oh man. Oh. So, yeah. So, but yeah, overall, I really like these guys. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're, there's a lot of, there's a little bit of a puzzle to them to get the movement right on them. They have, but they hit really hard. They just do a lot of damage. So, and they're pretty survivable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, except I'm for the dog. Slow warbands. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm excited because they fit the flavor profile that we kind of reviewed with our previous, you know, fire players. And like, they're, they're still within that same kind of lore and, and fluff vein. Um, but yeah. they're unique enough that like, they seem like a lot of fun to play. So I'm excited to try them out for sure. So Awesome. Well, I'm glad, Javi, that you're on the show to talk to us about this because, like I said, I hadn't played him yet, and I'm glad that you have and gave us that experience. So if you guys are interested, go check them out. Um, you can check out all their profile stats again on Warcrier. And, uh, again, if you've got questions, hit us up in the uh, in, in the Discord chat. I'm sure Javi will be happy to answer any of your questions. So I'm directing them to you, Javi, as our FAQ guy for these guys. Let's do it. I did. So, I did send in an email, a sternly worded email about the pointing on these guys to GW. So we'll see what they do. <laughs> They're gonna be like blessings. Do it. <laughs> so, awesome. All right. So let's get to our main topic, um, Dan. Uh, one thing that you wanted to talk about is um, kind of mission scoring, right? Like this is a big thing, in my opinion, right now, especially as more people get um to doing more tournament organizing and it's like we're looking at the tts online and things like that um you know gw has given us some missions to play with 
And, you know, it's it's interesting. Even in 1.0, you could go through those mission scoring cards and you could be like, this is a great mission. This one's terrible. This is a great mission. This one's terrible. And, like, you just kind of knew, like, as you, as you played, like, <laughs> based on the scoring of these victory points, like, what was good, what was bad. And similar to, in my opinion, Age of Sigmar, not all missions are good for tournaments, right? Like, you could play a mission that is an epic, epic game between you and your friend, but it would be terrible for uh, a tournament just because, it, you know, maybe it's um, imbalanced. It's not, um, it's it's a little too asymmetric, right? Like you kind of need sort of that balance there. And I think that you um, need um, good uh, ways to score these missions that sometimes aren't as evident in the little mission cards that you get in your, you know, box sets type of thing. So, um so mission scoring, like, what do we mean by this, right? Like, <clears throat> you've seen a lot of times, like, okay, this is, you know, your primary score, your secondary score, and your tournament quest. So, Dan, do you want to, like, break those down for us? Yeah, so if we're talking about primary scoring, not every mission needs a primary score and secondary score. By that, I mean there are missions where there is a main way that you are getting points in this mission and then that would be your primary scoring and then there is a second way to get points in the mission and i think a lot of people are finding that missions that have these two different things to think about are just much more replayable and you know the second time you play it the third fourth time you play it are just much more fun um, than some of the missions where there's only one thing that you kind of care about um and so that can just be a way to add texture to a mission now not every scenario needs a secondary score in fact some of them would be kind of inappropriate to have one um but it can just be a really nice tool to sort of look at when you're kind of looking through missions as um just like a quick sort of thing to think about uh this one brutal cull is actually one example of a mission that doesn't have a secondary scoring system and actually doesn't have points, um, right. which I think is a great example of why you don't always necessarily need primary or secondary scoring. Um, because this one is from the new box set with Gorger Maw Pack versus uh, the Dog Friends. Um, where a battle group becomes broken if half of the fighters in it are taken down, ends out of ends after four battle rounds, and the player with the fewest broken battle groups wins. This is just um, I added a deployment that I designed myself to it, but this is essentially right out of the uh, GW sort of box, um, and I think it's a really brilliant mission that doesn't need primary and secondary scoring, right? Because right. you are focusing on two different things, whether you know it or not. Uh, you are focusing on fighters that can kill guys on the other team. And you are focusing on protecting a wide array of fighters because mm -hmm. um, you essentially, the more fighters you have in your warband, the harder it is to break it, except the easier it is to kill each individual fighter. Uh, so then you sort of run around with your various fighters if you've got a bunch, or you use one as a bully piece if you've only got one, right? And you just hope to kill them before they bring down the big guys. So um, 
This is just like a really interesting way to force players to think about two things, you know, kind of without telling them that they are thinking yeah. about two things, which I think is really genius. And great job to Games Workshop for coming up with this. This I hadn't thought of anything like this at all. Um, right. So that's awesome. Now, I have a question, um, Dan. Did you lift mm -hmm. the wording out of this, like like verbatim, pretty much? Uh, yes, I took it straight from uh, the mission from Hunters and Hunted, or whatever yeah. it's called, so, the, the Gorgers versus the Wilder Corpse. So here's the interesting thing to me. This is the first time, in my opinion, that they have talked about a major win and major loss in the victory. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Is that you? No, did I you added put that, that in there? Part. I added okay. that part. Right. But the first okay. two paragraphs are verbatim. Yeah, the okay. first two All paragraphs right. cool. are verbatim. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, so I was like, wow, this is the first time I've seen them do that. And, you know, but yeah, okay. I mean, that makes uh, that makes more sense to me. But and I added I, that last paragraph because of conversations with you, because you have talked so many times about how unsatisfying it is, um, yes. the current way they do major and minor losses. So, yeah, I, I sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. I think you were going to make a point about that, though. No, I was just going to say I love it. Like, I think, you know, just just for what exactly you said, right, which is, um, you know, like, here it is, like, you've got this um, really easy way to tell if you've got a major or a minor. Like, you don't have to do all this complicated math. You don't have right. to do these, like, you know, okay, well, if I move my guy here, but I don't move my guy there, do I get a secondary, but I don't get a secondary? And, like, the problem the problem with secondaries, in my opinion, is sometimes they're too overthought. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes the second to get the secondary, it's almost more complicated than getting the primary. And it requires so much more, like, strategic aspect of it that you lose the sense of the mission because you're thinking about like how do i get the secondary when it should be just that it is a secondary aspect of the mission mm -hmm. and like this is a great example of a, a a quest where i don't need to think about it that much other than like hey i i, I need to break more than i get broken right like that yeah. is <laughs> you know that's what it comes down to so and let's uh let's move to a mission that has a really clean secondary um that's yeah. really easy to figure out so might makes right is one um it came from red harvest which yep. was a box set from first edition with um lots of really cool terrain i freaking love the red harvest terrain i think I it's love so it. awesome it's so good um but yeah, might makes right is great because it's like, here's the main way you score. You win objectives. Great. Here's the second way you score. You kill fighters who are on the same objective as you. You like bully them off the objective and you kill them with melee stuff. Really easy. The secondary objective follows from the primary objective, which uh -huh. I think is really brilliant. Um, this one is lifted verbatim from games workshop this is before i had put majors and minors i think now when i put this in tournaments i do like if you won by four or more it's a major if you won by three or less it's a minor mm -hmm. yeah. but but yeah this one's great and it also leverages something that they do in the matched play cards but they never do in the um like in the 
here are the, our six scenarios kind of thing in the core book yeah. or in the rumble pack where they let you place your own objectives um which i think is really great for spiky players it can do a bit of a feel bad for new players i think um but i think it's really fun and it adds a ton of replayability um i won a casual game on this one recently where i put my objectives exactly six inches or 6.1 inches away from each other i put one 6.1 from the center and i put another 6.1 from the center and the other one i made an equilateral triangle and then i put all my fighters on the spaces where they could contest both of them i did 6.5 oh. inches and um and i think the person who was i was playing against they weren't mad but i think in round two they were like all right like i'm gonna lose because i didn't know that you or I didn't think that you could do that. Or, you know, yeah. it's like, and yeah. it felt unsatisfying to them, I think, because it was like, um, yeah, it was just silly. Like, because the point of this, unless terrain gives you like an incredibly defensible point, the point is to create two dueling equilateral triangles and whoever yeah. whoever invades the other person's triangle wins, um, yeah. which is a really fun game. I think it's really awesome, but right. uh <laughs> but yeah you have to like play it once against someone who knows that in order to yeah uh, it's in true order to understand it um, but otherwise i think this mission is perfect and i think it's really good so it's my favorite one of the new missions we've tried in, in league and and all that because it, it's it's great balance of horde versus elites and yeah it's basically ev everything that was bad about the rumble pack this fixes yeah, yeah. I agree. Now, Javi, when you when you go into a tournament and um, you see, you know, like a mission like this where it's talking about, um, you know, primaries and secondaries and stuff like that, how do you break that down as you prepare like for that tournament? Uh, so, so this is assuming too that you get that tournament pack like a month or a month and a half before, so that you can mess around with your friends and try things out. But how do you how do you break down? how you approach, you know, scoring when you go in there. Well, you want enough to cover the objectives and then be able to kill on them. So I'm, what I like is that um, this opens up the possibility of really running an elite warband into an objective mission. You know, um, when I played Horns of Hachette at ACO, I did that because it was the perfect setup for them. But I wouldn't necessarily take them. I mean, they might work really well on here, but I'd be much more excited to take something that's um, that's a little bit killier because I want to score those points on the objectives. Um, so, yeah, I, the way I really approach the, the tournament prep is, you know, well, what what are my goals and what do I want to play? Um, you know, first tournament with you guys. Uh, you know, I wanted to play Slanesh, so I tried to make Slanesh work for a mostly objective based thing, and it, it worked out pretty well. But also. Um, it was a little rough. Um, but when, when I see this one, I just kind of like the fact that I can bring anything I want and tune it a little bit as opposed to mm -hmm. being kind of pushed to only one play method being or play style being optimal, right? And Rumble Pack, if you're not running a swarm, you're really having a bad time. But now, that's not the case here. Yeah. Do so when you're looking at a like you know there's usually I don't know four or five missions that are sometimes in in these things right. 
Um, do you look at the primaries first and then the secondaries? Is like, are do you do you worry about covering down on the primary first just to get at least get that win? Um, versus like knowing that you're gonna get like the major win if you cover the secondaries? Well, what I'm looking at is how am I gonna score the most points? Um okay. you know, right, like where how do I wanna score my points? How am I gonna do that best? Um, you know, um what what was the other one? So the the one we've been playing a lot lately is like power struggle. Um, with with the middle th with the middle if you hold the middle you get three points yeah so i'm like okay i want if i want to do well on that mission i want models that can cover the middle and an objective and sit there yeah be, and then you need to move me off of those points because i'm scoring points as long as i'm sitting here mm -hmm. um, one thing i like so, about that combo because i played that combo too is uh how the center becomes less and less important over time but it starts mm -hmm. as like really really important and so um you know sometimes you can kind of like you can kind of outthink your opponent if you know when it's going to become not important anymore because power struggle eventually the center always stays worth three points and so in round four uh you actually don't care about the center you want to be covering your home objectives um, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, and, th and that's all part of the, the long-term strategy. It's like eventually that, yeah, you're right. That center is just not as important anymore. And you're going to, you're going to move from the middle out to the edges mm -hmm. and make your opponent chase you. And yeah. it's super fun because any mission, um, one good like formula for a mission is where you keep moving over the course of the mission you keep caring about what you're going to do over the course of the mission um which i think is is a good formula in general i was wondering justin if you could move to the next one yep. um it should be the one with six objectives is it the graveyard of heroes yeah yeah that's the one yep i just was um, pulling it up and this is one that is a rumble pack combination that's i think yeah. one of the good ones from rumble well, pack. i haven't this seen this one before from rumble pack um this is the um supremacy one right yeah so it's supremacy yeah. i've shuffled the map around a little bit to just do a slightly different flavor of map oh, okay. um, just because uh you know variety is fun that's the only reason really uh but the yeah. scoring is from rumble pack and then i just yep. instead of doing only leaders I did all soup, so leader, hero, thrall, ally, and it's supposed to say monster, I learned. So now when I run it, it says monster, but in this in this printout, it doesn't. Uh, but this is one where the secondary objective is really more of a tiebreaker, right? Yeah. It's like you really need, like you're scoring the most points off the primary, but if you can reach out and touch their leader, if you can reach out and touch their allies, um, you know, you can really shock them and you can like in the, especially if you sort of do it early, um, you can get a lot of points that way, but it's kind of a, it's harder to think about, but it's still fun. Um, I don't think it's quite as like pristine and clean as uh, Might Makes Right is, but this I found is a really, really fun mission. So, so the oh yeah go ahead Tommy. So, well I was gonna say the interesting thing is um that we found out in the lat in this previous league um the October league was you know some of these missions are really interesting because there's a big discrepancy in in points you can score um depending on warband composition like there were some of them where it's like well 
one warband can score at most, let's just say 12 points, but the other warband, because of the composition, can score like 20 points. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you're, let, let's put it this way if I'm playing against um, Peter's list, Peter uh, Merchant Cabbage, who always runs like, like so much, so many UWs and, and underworld and yeah. stuff, and he's just basically the soupiest thing in the world, there's like 30 points on the board. Yeah. yeah. Every kill you get scores points. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, if you're playing a one-box bespoke, there's a lot fewer points. Right. And I like including missions like that, even though some players do get mad about them, uh, because you force your players to read the damn pack, right? Right. <laughs> and yeah. design for the pack. And yep. if they took a really strong netlist um, that wasn't designed for the pack, they can get punished that way. And uh, right. I think this is one way. Um, there are lots of other ways to do it, but this is one way through an objective mission to kind of punish a uh, a netlister who didn't think about, you know, what their plan was. Now you could still, I think Peter is actually very good at avoiding confrontation in game if he needs to, right? Because he's got all those netters, things like that. But you need to, you know, you can't just, I mean, I see people, one thing that's really in vogue in the US meta is like these cruel boys lists that are like yeah. super soupy, but they've only got one netter. Um, and uh, I think generally they're pretty bad, but uh, they are really popular right now. And I think um, people are, you know, going Thanks, 500 Robert. with them, not doing bad. Yeah. Well, Rothgorn is different than like general KBZ soup, you know? Yeah, Rothgorn yeah, yeah, yeah. is Rothgorn. I don't even count that as Cruel Boys. Um, but generally, I mean, if you're playing a Cruel Boys soup list with a bunch of Underworlds models and, you know, a hero and a thrall ally and, like, you're giving up a ton of points and you don't have a way to stop them attacking you, uh, you could be in trouble here, yeah. But that's just kind of a, a thing that tests whether you read the pack or not. So, um... You're, I'm going to comment specifically on this graveyard of heroes, which I really, really do like. Um, one, supremacy is actually one of my favorite missions. I really like the whole two-hole, three-hole more scoring system. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I like that when I played 40K 9th edition when it first came out. And I liked it when they translated it into Age of Sigmar when, it, when the 3rd uh, edition came out. And I mm -hmm. like that it found its way into Warcry. I've always loved Hold 2, Hold 3, Hold More. I think it's a really easy, basic way to understand how scoring works, you know, um, for, yeah. for like a, a lot of objective missions. So that's great. Um, the criticism that I got when I had originally included Supremacy, again, which was one of my favorite missions, into the Nova pack was that um, it... Um, had the potential, like if you had a horde army, to just vastly swing the um, the the score of that game, and it like a lot of people really didn't like that, right? So I opted for, um, I think it was power struggle after that, or something like that. Anyway, um, so but I do think that your secondary here is what makes the difference, Dan, uh, because you can in the process of taking over a, you know, another one, like in theory, you should be holding each, both of you should be holding three in round two in theory. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then it gets wild from there from when you're trying to like move off and, and go cap some other objectives and fight in the process. 
And so, you know, by doing this, you have the opportunity to either gain back some score or increase your lead, depending on where you're sitting with your objectives. And I think that that's what a good secondary does, right? Is it, it takes whatever the theme of the first of the primary is and enhances it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it, um, it builds into that as well. And again, like you don't have to think that hard about what the secondary is. You don't have to like do something that is counter to what the mission is. So let me, let me give you an example of a bad secondary. In my opinion, you're playing Reaper, but your secondary is get your model to the highest point on the terrain. Yeah. And you're like, that's a bad secondary. You know, that's a terrible secondary because like you need to like get your models fighting each other, you know, and you're telling like to get the secondary, you're telling it to run away, you know, and somebody will be like, oh, well, it's fun because then you can get your models moving. It's not fun. Like it's counter to what the mission's trying to do. The good secondaries like enhance what you, what the primary is trying to do, you know, so. And so let's, yeah. one thing you're kind of alluding to now is tournament quests which yeah. is sort of an extra thing on top of secondaries where a secondary is um should be i think um like self-contained within the mission right and yeah. so the mission is the total points you got between the primary and the secondary or just the primary if that's whatever the win condition is yeah the other way to do is this it, what you wanted dan by the way yeah so tournament quests if you uh, flip to page something of your core book, <laughs> I don't have the uh, yeah. page in front of me, but tournament quests are the six um, little quests that everybody forgets everybody. every single game. I, you know, I have even if it's eight... right there in the rules, pick your quest yeah. now. Like everybody will forget it. I have won a tournament forgetting my quests four times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's they're just not working and so they're really cool as like little tiebreakers in theory right but because everyone forgets them they're essentially worthless like it's not it's not a test of skill if your tiebreaker is did you remember or not so i was thinking we should have things that are the same every game um, so it's just like you can check at the end. Did I do this? Now the good players are going to are going to play in a way that you know improves their chances of of getting them. But um, other players, you know, will do other things. And one thing that I did in the last tournament I ran, um, because again we had had a conversation on this podcast about how unsatisfying tournament quests were. Yeah. I wanted to do something different and I wanted to do something really silly sounding because, you know, just to remind people to have fun out there. Yeah. So I took, I painted a bunch of animal models, like a bunch of pets. Cause I've just been like getting them because every Warcraft war band has a pet, right? So I just put a bunch of pets out there on all the boards. And I had like a little pig, I had a dune claw, the crab, I had like a little Ideneth fish, I had, you know, various pets. And um I just put them in the center and said that, you know, people can fight over the golden goose, but like 
it's going to be extremely minimal how much it affects the actual game. So you can pick it up, but it doesn't reduce your movement, and beasts and monsters can get it, so anybody can get it. Uh, you, If you target someone with a melee attack action, you take the goose from them, um, regardless of whether you hit or miss. You know, I had people missing all of their attacks and being like, well, the reason he missed is because he was focused on the goose. So, yeah. <laughs> um, That'll put a smile on your face. Yeah. And so <laughs> it kind of just becomes this hot potato thing. And so it was like, if you touched the goose at all, you got a point. But if you ended with the goose, you got two points. And then uh, I added another thing for leaders, just to have something that wasn't the goose. But um, you'll notice, like... I had one person who actually ended up winning. Uh, their leader was an ogre tyrant, and they could not get anyone to attack their leader unless their leader took the goose. Because people don't attack ogre tyrants, you just like try to play keep away from them, right? Yeah. And so he would like every game, once he, you know, once they felt like they knew who was gonna win or like maybe how the game might play out. They tried really hard to get their leader to go take the goose because that was the only way they could get their opponent to uh, to actually attack their leader, which I thought was really interesting um, kind of emergent gameplay from that. And people had a blast because the other thing that I think that Tournament Quest should do is give people cool stuff to think about once they're out of the running for Tournament Champion. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing we did with this tournament is we had a prize for who got the most goose points. So once you got a loss, people were going crazy to try to maximize their goose points. Yeah. And because some of the goose points are zero sum, right? Only one person can end the battle with the goose. Um, it kind of gave people an extra thing to fight about, which I thought worked really well. Um, but this isn't the only way to do it, and it's not as spiky as I think some people would like. But um, but I would encourage tournament organizers to kind of brainstorm your own thing. So I yeah. um, I sent you another table of another one I brainstormed Let's see if I that I'm going to do in a narrative thing, a narrative tournament um, that's coming up in about three weeks. And it's a little bit more straight down the middle. Uh, and yes, so what I'm doing for that tournament is I'm giving people narrative quests where they can, each sort of quest that they can go on, and there's four different quests, will have a different sort of tournament quest that they can score points on, like a little side quest. But then there's going to be three other ones that people can do um that everyone is going to be chasing the exact same and my hope is that it kind of does something yeah here we go so um so you'll have like a faction quest that is yours and yours alone and your opponent might have a different one but then there's these three other ones uh one is gurish bounty you either took down the opponent's leader or took down a monster and then gnarled veteran your leader survived the battle and then Narwood Explorers is a little bit like that weird tournament quest that currently exists in the core book where you have to be on all four corners. 
This one is just like a little bit less complicated. You have to be near the board edge and near the center, you know? Yeah. Um, and so kind of this was my hope at doing some more straight down the middle ones. Yeah. To use as tiebreakers. Um, now this this table is, you know, a full half the points are being done by the little side quest because it's a narrative tournament, so wins and yeah. losses are less important. But obviously sure. you could do just one glory point or you know, just one point for each of these and, and that would work a lot better. Yeah, and I think um the inter you know, the interesting thing is and I tried to do this a little bit at Nova, but I don't think I had fully fleshed out my thoughts about secondaries there. I just knew that one, I, I wanted to make them impactful. Um, and so the way that that happened is it, it well, let me, let me back up a little bit. I think whenever you do secondaries, they need to fit also within your scoring system um, well. And I don't think that GW's scoring system that they have right now does that very well. It's like you get 20 for a major, you know, 15 for a minor win, 10 for a draw, 5 for a minor loss, 0 for a major loss, and 1 point for your tenement quest. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? You know what I mean? And like, the tournament like, quest is the hardest one to keep track of. Yeah, exactly. And and so you're yeah. just like, it just it, it felt like it was stapled on. It was totally an afterthought. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, we'll just add something extra in here. And so, like, you need to kind of bake it in there. And so, like, you know, if you want to know how the Nova scoring system was, go look back at the, um, you know, the Royal um, Beast Flayers episode because I explained it there. And then we also did it in our uh, Nova recap. But with the sliding um, battle points that you would get based on the victory points that you had, the secondaries mattered. If you killed their leader, that was an extra victory point. And mm -hmm. so it would affect your battle points at the end of it, right? And so the way that the secondaries, and, and I, I will be the first to admit, my secondaries weren't terribly creative. Um, it was like, you know, if you kill their leader, that's one. I did incorporate the GW tournament quest, but that counted as a victory point, not just like as a extra battle point that you would get at the end of your tournament, right? It was a victory point that could affect a, a number of battle points that you could get because of the sliding scale. And uh, usually there was something thematic, um, you know, that was going on in there. Um, and I'm, I'm blanking on some of them. But you had the opportunity to get three victory points, which could push a loss into a draw. Or, you know, if you had a tight game, it could actually give you essentially a minor victory, you know, because of the way that, again, the sliding, the sliding scale work. And so... I do. I don't. I don't think that my secondaries at Nova Open were again entirely very creative. I think I could have done a better job of making it more, I guess, thematic to the game that I was playing. Like, for example, the things that you had in your uh, Might Makes Right and um, or, or in your um, Graveyards one, and also I think the Minor Victory, for example, in that um, in that. Uh, um, other one that you had from the hunters and hunted, uh, but mm -hmm. I think those are like really, really good creative secondaries. Um, but I do think that you, when you have your secondaries, they need to be built into the scoring system where it fits and it, it um, makes sense. And so like, for example, because this is a narrative tournament, your scoring system here works well. Do you know what I mean? Like it fits with what you're trying to do here. Because your leader should be your legendary hero in a narrative tournament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And if you do complete your fashion quest, you should be getting a crap ton of glory for it, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah. like, like those things make sense. Um, and so you just need to make sure that the, the two things I hope that people take away is, one, try not to make your secondary more complicated than your primary. And, you know, don't, you know, that's one. I've got more advice than two, I guess. Two, don't, <laughs> don't, don't make your secondary counter to what your primary mission is. You know what I mean? Make it complimentary yeah, there. Yeah. And then three, make sure that it fits within the scoring system that you have so that it actually matters and it doesn't feel like it's just an afterthought. So those are those are my three takeaways on this. And I wanted to clarify, because you're using kind of secondary and tournament quest a little interchangeably. So you're talking mm-hmm. about there can be a situation where the tournament quest is also part of the mission and gives points for the mission. Right. Or there could be points where it's just a scenario that has two scoring systems in it. Yes. And essentially, if I'm interpreting it right, you're saying kind of either one of these is fine. It's just like conceive of the whole thing as a package. Right. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 And I agree with all of that then. Yes. 100%. And one like shorthand, I think, for something that is worked for me really well because i've had ones that didn't work for me is if your secondary objectives are focused on something that's very different or maybe rewards something in list building that's very different than what your primary rewards um that can be really good so if you have you know a kill mission where your secondary scoring is like be on all four quarters and then it's like the the uh you know the the swarm warband has an easier time doing that than the than the really killy warband that's hunting them down right um something like that you can and it doesn't it doesn't go against the spirit of the mission right like mm -hmm, because being in four corners is like maybe a good thing for your your band you know so right and just something that makes it also when you can make it a little bit more complicated for players to figure out, well, anytime you can make it easy for players to figure out what's happening and complicated for players to figure out what's really happening, like strategically yeah. what's happening, if you can make the tracking easy but the strategy hard, um, that's a really good situation. Like one thing about the Rumble Pack was. They introduced these other layers, these secondary objectives, things like that. And that was all really wonderful. And I think it brought Warcry forward. The problem was that as a group, they were just strategically too easy to figure out. Like it was too easy to, I mean, like Javi, the list you brought to uh, ACO is just like, (laughs) like it's a middle finger to that pack really (laughs) it was kind of the right pack. it was right it was the right list for the pack for sure yeah um and i've seen other people you know do things with sold like grave lords that is really just like a a middle finger to the rumble pack as a whole and so you know anytime uh anytime you're making a tournament sort of pack or just even just one mission anytime you can make it harder to figure out how to game it with your secondary that's usually a good thing right yeah it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that you can just take one look at it and solve the entire thing in one go um yeah yeah that's a bit yeah, and and 
Right. And, and the more that you can just make it possible that other lists just, you know, all kinds of lists work is just the best. Cause honestly, after ACO, um, and even heading into Noah, I was a bit burned out on rumble pack stuff, like heavy objective play, stuff like that. And now like heading into league, I was, I looked at, it, I was like, I can run a six model list and probably do pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So like, I just threw all the heavy hitters into a list like overnight and I, and I still used horns of his shit, but you know, I had a lot more fun because I was playing with, you know, not just moving a shatterer over, you know, right. I was like running a Myrmidon into something. Yeah. Well, again, you know, this is uh, this is kind of tournament craft or even, you know, like event craft type of stuff that we're talking about here. And, uh, you know, I, the more that our listeners are running their own events, the more that they're thinking through this, we hope that this helps you in designing, you know, really interesting and creative ways for people to play Warcry. I think that the creativity of the community is one of its strongest aspects. And so, you know, we, we definitely want to help you. So again, this is my third pitch. If you are not in our discord, jump in. If you've got questions about how to make good secondaries, like you've got a lot of experienced players in our discord that um, you can totally bounce ideas off of. And we love giving feedback. If that's one thing, that uh, we love doing. We sure, we sure like giving advice to other people, you know? So, uh, you know, don't be afraid, come in and talk to us and and we love it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show tonight. It's been a total pleasure. Javi, thank you for coming on the show with us. We didn't get to say it in the flow of you presenting them, but we have roughly the same color scheme on our Slanesh. And I love that so much. I hope we get to do a two V two tournament sometime where we can both run Slanesh. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Dude, I'm 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 in for it. I'm also really hoping that the points changes that we saw earlier today like trickle down and we get like, you know, 95 point pain bringers, you know, just kind of yeah. makes Slanesh a little better. Um yeah. a little more feasible. It's a it's a fun it's a fun war band. I really like them a lot, but they're a little overcosted. Yeah. And the demons are in a worse place than the, the mortals are at least We like, don't talk about the demons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you guys everyone. so much for and listening. Thank- mm-hmm. Dan, thank you for being here as always. And Javi, again, thank you for being on the show. Everybody, we hope you have a good night and we will see you at the tables. Bye-bye.